When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast on this episode. Utah gets ready to face the Washington State Cougars. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. What's up, Ute Nation? And Scott. What's up, guys? Go was, Utes. Was that a long bye week I for hate you guys? Bye weeks. Oh my gosh. Any any week without Utah football, it's just it's hard. It was like I know a bye buys happen every single year, but I swear like it just it's weird when Utah isn't playing, but yet everyone else in the country is. Especially coming out off the last game against USC. Ooh, off the big high. Let's go. Off the USC win. Let's keep let's keep it rolling here. But there may be some players on the team that needed a bye week, you know. Eat up eat up a week into their suspension. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> Yes. Um there's Who are a, you referring to, Scott? There's a lot of rumors out there, isn't there? There are some rumors. There are rumors, and I still stand by my comments last week, and I feel I feel vindicated. Just to kind of fill everyone in, <laughs> we we are talking about Tavion Thomas. There are there's a lot of smoke out there uh, regarding his. And it's status. not from the train. <laughs> well, it technically, could be from the train, not the touchdown train. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, let's let's really get into this. Do you guys? Let's just assume that Thomas is is not gonna is not a go for Washington State. Uh, what do you think that guy? What do you think that does to this rushing attack for Utah that really hasn't been able to pull out of the station? He boom, boom, <laughs> nice, like very that. well done, Cameron. I mean, I don't know that it does much because it hasn't pulled out of the station for about six or seven weeks now. Has it? No, it, 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 at this point, it should be condemned and be sold off for parts. <laughs> at this point, you've got to you ride the guys that are invested in the program. I, I don't, I don't know what's going on with Tavion. If it's his personal life, if it's school, if it's depression, I hope he gets the help that he needs. But from a football standpoint. You got to ride the guys that are there. You got to ride Bernard. You got to ride Jackson. You got to ride Jalen Glover. Well, and Bernard was on crutches. There's rumors there about how healthy he is. And, Which surprised uh, me because he finished the game. Yeah, but but again, like Kyle says, sometimes injuries, you know, they don't really show up until the next morning when adrenaline's kind of worn off and, and whatnot. But regardless, I think you're going to see... I think you're going to see Glover. He's kind of taken a hiatus as they've been protecting that redshirt year, but uh, I think they're going to have no choice but to rely on him heavily. And and JJ, 
and then see what you get out of Bernard. And then we've got Cam Rising, the leading rusher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've kind of hinted at this. You, you can't Cam can't be the leading rusher in this game against Washington State. It you've got to. I mean, that's a great weapon to have. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that you never run Cam. But I think you kind of have to dial that back, right? At least for you, the designated you, play calls for you him. You lose Cam, season's over, folks. Mm-hmm. He's the entire offense at this point. Passing, running, you got to protect him. And yes, he's still going to have his moments where he goes and he runs and he, he improvises. But as far as design runs from Ludwig, let's keep those to a minimum. And 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 you gotta you gotta get this run game going because again you, a few weeks down the road you you're looking at that Oregon game and boy oh boy did they look pretty impressive against UCLA, well UCLA was coming off a bye week and could not slow Oregon down, so it's gonna be interesting they've got to get the run game going um, and this is a great week to do so and let's be honest it's gonna be f- it's gonna be like freezing cold mm-hmm. up on the Palouse. At least it's not going to be snowing. That it is, it's going to be cold, but I So you're going to want to run the ball. I don't think I don't think Rising's going to want to throw the ball 45 times in this game. They got to get stuff going on the run game um and and almost alleviate some pressure off of Rising so he he doesn't have to do everything week in and week out. Well, let's let's break down. Let's break down Washington State and what the Utes uh, what the Utes are looking what the Utes are going to be facing this uh, this Thursday evening. How do you feel about a Thursday night game? So I I hate Thursday night games, um for for the team. Uh, I, it does help that they are coming off a bye week. So I, I think I definitely think that helps. But I do hate Thursday night games, especially traveling. Because uh, if you look at it, Utah really leaves Wednesday, um to to fly to Washington. So you're you're really missing out on three days. And I know Kyle has talked about that a lot, how normally when they have a bye week and then a Saturday game, they get two full weeks to kind of get that game ready. And this week, I think he said they only gave them two days off. Yeah. They started Tuesday, Wednesday of last week, started practicing for Washington state last Thursday to, which would have been like a Monday, a full week. Yeah. But the good news is you also get on the tail end, you get a few extra days to prepare for Arizona. Because um, they'll need that for Arizona. <laughs> but now for Arizona's defense. We may we may need kay. it for uh, um, slowing down that def- or that offense that of offense. Arizona. But you know, going back to your question about Thursday, yes, I, I hate the Thursday game, but I think this is actually the best case scenario where it is coming off of a bye. It is, but they're also coming off of a bye. So there is no advantage there. The other thing is, since we've joined the Pac-12, I feel like every team that has had something on the line that has gone up to Washington State on a Thursday seems to lose. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, it's that Pac-12 curse of the schedule, you know, a meaningless game just derails uh, hope. So, it's going to be interesting. Now, early on in the year, Washington State looked pretty good. Had some had some good wins, mm-hmm. kind of struggling over the over the last month or so. So this game looks more winnable now than it did early on in the season. And I think offensively they looked better early on, and I think offensively they're struggling a little bit more now. And defensively, they, I believe, they rank first in 
yards allowed in the Pac-12. So, well, and they've they've had some they've had some really good games and some good performances. You know, at least for a half at USC, they kind of played pretty well mm-hmm. and and kind of held USC in check. And that, that game kind of got away uh, late. You know, but they've lost three out of the last four. Um, with last week losing twenty four ten against Oregon State. Um, their one lone win is against Cal, which I mean, everybody but Colorado seems to be Cal. So, but they did have, they did have one outlier. They uh, they hung with Oregon forty four forty one early on. Uh, what was that week? That would have been week three of the season. But outside of that, yeah, they're not trending in the right direction, which is good for our Utes, right? Hopefully the Utes can go up, take care of business, have a good first half, hand the reins over maybe mid to late third quarter to Bryson Barnes and let him uh, freeze his tail off on the Palouse in the fourth (laughs) quarter and come back home. So I I tell you, it does make me a little nervous going into this game. Uh, Cameron Ward, their starting quarterback for Washington State, is a phenomenal talent. and. While he may not be up there with uh, Caleb Williams, who was a Heisman hopeful, you know, hard to do, but he he's talented and kind of has the same kind of body type where he it, can extend plays with his feet, can throw the ball deep. Um, it makes me nervous, though, because Kyle said that it's going to be a similar offense to what they saw against USC and even a similar offense with UCLA and Yay! Utah struggled. <laughs> Utah struggled uh, with those types of offenses, and and this isn't USC. I'm not trying to say that this is the same exact same, but it's the same style of play. Yeah, they're going to spread the field out. They're going to play multiple wide receivers. Um, what is that like a twelve personnel set to, like, to run a lot out of? I, I think for, for me, for this defense, because we, we want to see this this defense continue to grow. That's kind of where I get nervous. Is how much did Utah's defense improve in this off week? Well, so today, um, Jonah Ellis uh, commented that uh, the defense has been simplified and that they have cut down on just the sheer amount of play calls and I think schemes that they've been trying to run, uh, which we saw in the second half of that USC game, right? They simplified things. And 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 tr- and almost just kind of went back to a more aggressive instead of instead of I mean early in that USC game what was the D line doing? They're playing patty cake with the offensive line and just standing trying to not let him escape. Yeah, which, but not get to him, which yeah. ultimately let him escape yeah. because he had so much time. Yeah, no pressure whatsoever. And and absolutely just killed the Utes. Well, second half comes and you saw even though it wasn't a dominant performance defensively in that second half but there was at least aggression mm-hmm. there was aggressive pass rushing and i think i think man i don't know why but i feel like we've just abandoned letting our defensive ends just go after the quarterback and and just let them be aggressive we've got guys yes we're young but we've got speed we've got guys that can get around the corner this idea that we're just going to keep everything in front of us clearly has not worked. And it really hasn't worked at all all season long, going even back into last season. I, I, I hope this simplification that Jonah's talking about is more of just go after the quarterback, create havoc. Whether, you know, whether you're getting him or not, 
get him on the run, get him out of, get his timing off with these wide receivers and just create some havoc and allow this secondary to maybe go make some plays because this other idea clearly is not working. So I, hearing those comments from Ellis is actually pretty encouraging for the defense. Well, and I think ultimately with this defense and, and like teams like a USC, UCLA, it's it's all about just not letting them do whatever they want on you. And I think that's just where I want to see the improvement because the whole US UCLA game, the first quarter and kind of a lot of the first half against USC, I mean, USC just did whatever they wanted. And it's just that the defense can just kind of start slowing them, slowing, slowing teams up, I think is a sign of progress. Which we saw in the second half, which I think was alluded to in the post game of that USC game that he that Scally, you know, dialed some things back to make it a little more simple. And it seems like they're going to continue to head that direction. So if we saw the progress in that second half and, you know, let's just hope it continues. Okay. So I got a question by week question here. Our defenses in general, just in college football down, meaning there is, are there, are there great defenses left in college football? I think that's a really good question. I, I think the game has changed so much that offense is really emphasized in the game and in, in the rules. You know, a lot of scoring helps. Well, uh, fans viewership. Love, fans love when the, those high scoring. They, exactly, games. right? And, and so I think just by nature of what, you know, football in America, you know, if you look at pro, look at college, that's just kind of where this game is going towards. Yeah, I mean, because if you look at this 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 defense from Utah, statistically, it's still ranked as a top defense in the Pac-12. But from a U fan's perspective, you'd say this is a down year. This is a bad Utah defense, right? So if they're still ranked at the top of the conference, it just tells you everybody else doesn't have a defense either. And outside of maybe a few teams like a, an Ohio State. Alabama, and I don't even know how great Bama is. I mean, they just gave up 40-some-odd points to Tennessee. Defense is just not what it used to be. I mean, you're not going to see Kyle Winningham holding most te- most teams to 12 points anymore because di- offenses are too dynamic. Um, the rules have been continually tweaked where, I mean, you breathe on a guy and it's pass interference. Right, the offense has kind of all of the all of the advantages against the defense throughout the game, and and so it's kind of interesting. I almost think that there is just this slide where, yes, Utah's defense is not what it's been in the past, but that just might be in college football in general. And you're just what we're what we're what I guess a lot of us have been grown up on. Mm-hmm. Utah defense may not be there moving forward. So look at look at when we first the first few years where we were in the Pac-12 and we kept you know our emphasis as a podcast and as really as a fan base was if the offense can put 30 points on the board we should win because it was, there was an expectation that Utah's defense was going to hold the opponent to 28 or less points no doubt that doesn't happen very often anymore 
Well, when you have a, a pretty average defense and a special teams who can't stop anybody off a kickoff, <laughs> I mean, le- legitimately, it's hard to keep teams under 30 now, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, there's just so many factors at play. And uh, so it's, it's, it's interesting. It's just kind of a different mindset. Utah's still ranked at the top of the conference, but it's just there's just not a lot of good defenses really across the board. Washington State, they've got a they've got a decent defense, but Cam Rising and company should be able to go out and put forty on the board again, mm-hmm. really without questions asked. Uh, we got to go to a break, but I do want to point this out. Just looking up the stats, last year Utah's defense was giving up three hundred forty nine yards a game. This year, three hundred ninety four. So only fifty yards difference between last year's team and this year's team. Interesting, because it feels a lot more than that. <laughs> it's a lot more. Maybe that maybe it's just because it's and I and I don't know if this is statistically true, but it feels like we're giving up more big yardage plays, big plays, a lot a lot of home run plays, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the last two weeks. Um, so we're up against a break. When we come back, we'll continue the discussion as Utah heads to Pullman. All right, so Utah's coming off that big win against USC, and a big factor in that with Dalton Kincaid having 16 receptions, really dominating that USC defense. There's no way Washington State's going to let Kincaid catch 16, right? Or will they? Are are they going to go with the USC defense? (laughs) I mean, I hope. It'd be awesome. But can they stop him? That's a good point, but I, I almost feel like teams... Now that they've seen it and they've kind of allowed, like USC seems like they just kind of, they lived with it, right? They weren't really trying that hard to. Oh, I to don't know that I'd say I mean, that. I know they, in the second half, they played a little bit more uh, double team on him, a little bit more zone against him. Um, but I almost feel like USC's plan was, we're going to let, we're going to let you kill us. In the air. I'm not sure USC had a plan. <laughs> You're probably right. I mean, on, on the yes, they changed some things up in the second half. It made it made zero difference. They put they took linebackers off of him. They brought in um, some DBs, and it didn't it didn't affect him. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's why he's so good is because he can't he does he he can run by linebackers. And he's still got good size where, you know, some of these smaller DBs just can't defend him. Well, and you can see he does it all over the field. You saw this, the path, the seam pass down the middle. You saw the exceptional pass he made on the sideline where he got the foot down and they, where they initially ruled it was incomplete. He, he's that good. It does, I don't think it really matters who, who they put on him. He, he's like the Travis Kelsey of, College football. Yeah, well, so who was it? Somebody actually compared him to that, to Travis Kelsey. He's the most college quarter or uh, tight end that would be equivalent to mm-hmm. what Kelsey is to the Chiefs. And uh, and so that's where I just think, yes, is there going to be an emph- emphasis on him to slow him down? Oh, you betcha. Will it, will it be enough? I don't know. And the other aspect is, if there is that much attention being placed on him, then Devon Vele, Money Parks, Solo, Catch Enos, all need their opportunity. I mean, they all need to step up, right? Because they're going to have that opportunity. And again, 
I think the running the running game is this is this has got to be the game that kind of kickstarts the run the run game. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Bernard. I don't care if it's Glover. I don't even care if it's JJ. Somebody step up and win the job for crying out loud. Bernard, we all know Bernard wants it. Well, then go do it. Go take it. It's right there. Tavion is giving you guys every opportunity to earn this starting spot. Someone's got to do it. If the run game can pick up and the, the pass protection that can can carry over from the USA. I mean, the pass protection they gave Cam at US against USC was phenomenal. If they can continue to do that, whether whether or not the run game picks up or not, if Cam has all day to find somebody, he's going to find somebody. Yeah, he is. And 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 in reality, right? Kyle Winningham said today, you just got to get the job done, right? Whether it's through the passing game, through the run game. I guess what I'm looking at, Utah should should win every game left on the schedule, I think pretty convincingly, outside of that Oregon game. But in the Pac-12, and I know home field advantage is important in every league and in every sport across the country, but it seems like in the Pac-12, if you're, a, if you're like a good team, Going on the road and beating a good team on their home field is tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, not many not many teams come into Rice Eccles and beat Utah, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Autzen has w- the longest uh, home winning streak in 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 the Pac-12 and one of the longer ones in the country, right? It's because no, not a lot of people go up there and beat Oregon, even when they haven't been great. It's just a tough place to play. So after seeing that UCLA game and knowing, man, that's just a tough place to play in general, a passing game, and even an elite passing game from Cam, I don't think gets it done. I think you've got to be able to, because what what is Utah's foundation, right? It's run the ball and drain clock. Mm-hmm. If, you can, if you can sustain long drives and keep Oregon off the field, giving them less possessions, Keeping that that offense from being dynamic and scoring tons of points, I think that's how Utah is going to go win that game. I don't think they're going to win by you know fifty two fifty one up at Oregon. They've got to they've got to be able to run the ball, drain some clock, and maybe shorten it a little bit because again, that our defense against those guys makes me a little nervous. Which was the which was the when you look back the downfall really of the UCLA game because Chip Kelly when he was at Oregon and now at UCLA they don't care about running the clock their time of possession it's all about scoring quick and Utah allowed them to have a lot of possessions because we did not run the ball so if you can establish a running game now's a good time to do it I totally understand where you guys are coming from I think you guys got to remember, Oregon's what, three weeks away? And that's a long ways in, in college football. Three weeks is, 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 is a long time. There's a strong possibility that Auburn Bo Nix could be in a rut by then. Okay, <laughs> we've had Fernando on the, on the podcast a couple times. You know, to get the curse out of Utah, is there any way to put a curse back into Bo Nix? Yeah, just, just send him his highlights from Auburn. I think would I think would get the job done. No, I mean, but he 
he's playing at a pretty high level right now, which is, I mean, no, they are. there's talk that he's in, put himself in the Heisman conversation, which is absolutely bonkers to think. But yeah, you're right. Three weeks, a lot can happen. What, maybe injuries, um, you know, just teams just kind of getting into a rut. So yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of football to be played before that one, and the Utes have to go and take yeah. care of business in Pullman because if you you trip up in Pullman, the season's effectively over. Even if you go to Oregon and beat them, I still don't think that gets you into the conference championship. Yeah, and so I think for me, the the next couple of games leading up to Oregon is just what can Utah improve on to get ready for that Oregon game. Uh, let's take a, a quick break. When we come back, let's recap of what's going on in the Pac-12 and give our picks. All right, so this is a crazy weekend in the Pac-12. As we've kind of talked about, Oregon uh, beats UCLA 45-30, to 30, and I don't. it wasn't even that close in the game. It, it, it felt like Oregon just ran away with it in the first half. A completely different team than what you the UCLA team Utah saw, but a lot of the credit goes to Oregon. They they have it running well in Eugene, and I, I am nervous in a couple of weeks for Utah when they travel up there. The question is, was DTR humbled? He wasn't flexing on anybody. That's for <laughs> sure. Uh, Stanford gets their first conference win against ASU, 15-14. Oregon State completely destroys Colorado, 42-9. I don't know who's going to take that Colorado job. That just does not look like uh, like it's going to attract top talent to coach. I just think they're going to open up the Rolodex of retreads. And, uh, I mean, Dave um, Christensen may get a go. Um, you know, who, who else may get a go? I heard Herm's available. You know what? You know what they really should do? I mean, obviously, I, you know, I don't want this to happen. For our sake, but it's like, why does a Colorado not go all in on a Morgan Scally? Maybe they will. I mean, we've heard Scally's or name Jay come Hill, up. Who's that's the thing? One of the, one of the top Jay coaches. Hills. Yes, it's a lower level of football, but he's one of the top coaches, and he's been consistent at Weber. You know, like why don't they go after somebody like that who's young, could bring some energy into the program, and Versus these dudes who are just don't do anything. I don't know. Well, and it is I mean, a tough job to it, hire for. It gets you the the Winningham tree, which pretty good. Well, and he's, and he's he's from this area. He's been recruiting. You know, I mean, it seems like from their perspective, like why not? From our perspective, stay away, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> and then Washington. Uh, comes back and beats Cal 28-21. to When we look at the standings for the Pac-12, Oregon's on top with 4-0. and And then you got a couple teams with one losses, UCLA, USC, Utah, and then Oregon State and Washington State. Or excuse me, Washington, Oregon State and Washington are right there with two losses. With no divisions for the championship game, it's really making this race really interesting. And I know there's a lot of talk about tiebreakers and what happens if there's three teams or even four teams that are tied at the end of the season? All I know is things I've been reading online is there is a push within the within the Pac-12 fan, fan base 
to keep UCLA and USC out of Vegas. And it's kind of cool. <laughs> right? Well, they're, 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 they're abandoning us. Why? Uh, I don't think anybody wants to see, especially both of them in the, in the co- conference title game. So it is good that Oregon was able to win that game. And it puts them in the driver's seat. So at at the very least, you have uh, just one of them in that yeah. game. But it, it is cool to see fans of other schools that are pushing for, if their team doesn't make it, Utah and Oregon in Vegas. I like it because I hate the Southern California well, schools. Well, so if, if we want to... You know anybody that's still listening to the podcast? If we w- if we want you to drive on to oncoming traffic, should we discuss the breakdown of these tiebreakers for who can get into the Pac-12 title game? Because the odds are not great that Oregon and Utah end up in the title game. It has been a hot topic on Twitter this past week, probably because Utah didn't have a game, right? And and in True Pac-12 style, the rules are very vague and probably not very well written as far as, uh, you know, I mean, even reporters have been chiming in. Everybody's got a different story um, as far as does it get to option two? Do we stick at option one and how that's going to break down? Obviously, it's going to be a a moot point for Utah if if we don't take care of uh, business the rest of the way. But... um. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an absolute mess. Utah takes care of business, and USC beats UCLA. That's all we need. You'd hope. <laughs> you would hope that's all you need. Mm-hmm. But It'd be it's nice so if, crazy. if uh, both UCLA and USC could each lose one more time before they play each other. And I mean. It's the not going to happen, no. but it'd be nice. It'd be nice and if they, if both of them lost three more games. I mean, that would be perfect, <laughs> right? <laughs> In all honesty, it's the Pac-12. There's, it's no guarantee that Oregon's going to beat Oregon State either. That's a rivalry game. No, and, and, oh, for sure, for sure. And yeah, I mean, there, there's still anything can happen. But th- th- does it not feel like this is almost uh, a non-weird Pac-12 year? Because usually there's always weird stuff going on. Mm-hmm. We eat ourselves. We we cannibalize ourselves, right? And you're not really getting that yet. And maybe we won't get it at all. But it does seem a little weird because normally it's happening. Yeah, by usually now. at this time of year, there's about three or four games. Where you're just like, like USC, you know, losing in Pullman or or UCLA losing in Pullman or something weird. I mean, USC, they've got, they're at Arizona, home to Cal, and home to Colorado before they play UCLA. Now, they still have Notre Dame to play. Probably not going to... The only uh, potential loss of that one is UCLA. It's not a conference, yeah. so it's really not going to affect... It's not going to affect this, this matchup. At Arizona seems to be the only possible loss for USC outside of UCLA. And Arizona could score points. I know everyone's kind of casting them aside. They're they're towards the top of the conference offensively, ranking wise. Um I mean they're they're scoring points. They're pretty dynamic offensively. They they're just as good as they are offensively, they're even worse defensively. 
But being that it's at Arizona, who knows? Maybe some. Maybe we get crazy that night and uh, you know, Pac-12 after dark and something crazy happens. Mm-hmm. We yeah. can only hope. All right, so UCLA, they've got uh, Stanford. Stanford's playing better. Maybe is that home or away? Um, that is home. Then they're at Arizona State. Bit of a wild card. Arizona State's uh, they've they've Depends jumped on up the Saturday and and, uh, and beaten some teams. And then they've got uh, Arizona. Uh, USC and Cal. So I mean, there there are some opportunities yeah. that UCLA could still uh, stub their toe. And who does Oregon have left? They've they've got some potential L's on the uh, now. Granted, they're 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 leading the charge here. They've got no losses on on the on the in the standings as of yet. They've still got to play Cal. They've still got to play Colorado. Those are both going to be easy, easy wins. But then their last three, they've got to, uh, um, they've got Washington, which is a rivalry game. Washington can score points, just like Arizona. Their defense, again, not not great, but that is a that is a potential uh, interesting game. Then we're the week after. Maybe maybe that bodes in our favor a little bit after a you know a emotional rivalry game. And then another rivalry game after that um, against Oregon State in Corvallis. So you never know. There, uh, there are some potential L's there. Pac-12 after dark has yet to rear its ugly head. <laughs> so we'll see. Does Did the Pac-12 grow up and all of a sudden we're acting like a proper conference? Nah. Or is chaos still going to ensue? Chaos is coming. You can feel it. It's possible. It's due. Except for Utah. Obviously, we've got, we got Arizona at home. We've got Stanford at home. We're on the road at Colorado. We could play naked against Colorado and beat them. <laughs> Let's not. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I would agree, but there's probably others who would not. But um, really, this Washington State game is really the last kind of trap game that I think Utah could even be at risk outside of Oregon. So let's get into this Washington State game. Uh, Utah is favored by eight points. Uh, the time we're recording this. Ryan, we'll kick it over to you first. Who do you got and what's your score? At one point, Kyle was undefeated coming off a bye. It's not so anymore, but he's still very good. But I still like the odds. I still like our chances. I think Utah goes up there, gets the win, and covers... The spread, I say Utah wins it 41-28. I kind of like the way you're thinking, Ryan. I think Utes get this, and I, I think they cover. I think Utah wins big, actually. I think this this offense is, is humming along. It's It would have to take a big effort by Washington State to kind of hold back Cam Rising and, and what this team's doing. I got Utah 42, Washington State 24. Scott, what do you got? Um. All right. I'm going big. I think the I think the Ute train is coming out of the station, offensively and defensively. Special teams? No. I still don't have any faith in special teams. We will still screw up a number of plays on special teams. But a simplified defense. Cam Rising's got all the confidence in the world. I think we're going to go up to the Palouse. I think we're going to hang fifty. Oh, wow! On Washington State. Final score, 52-17. 
Go Utes. Oh, oh my gosh. My gosh. That's what good teams do, boys. They take care of business against inferior opponents. <laughs> Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. Scott, where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, Uteman underscore forever. Let's go. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can listen to us at our home at Utah Man Podcast. And anywhere you listen to a podcast, we are there. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And hopefully, Scott, for once in my life, I'm going to say I hope you're right. Because <laughs> a blowout like that would be amazing. A stress-free game that looks good on to the voters. Yeah, we don't need, we do not need any Pac-12 after dark shenanigans. Especially on a Thursday night. Have to get up for work the next morning. In the words of Kyle Winningham, leave no doubt. Go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes will be till I die, Kai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.